able to worship and now get into his word. So Luke chapter 11, we're going to get right into it as Zach has already prayed. You know, uh, just uh, the other day, I think it was a couple days ago, uh, I was running around the house looking for this small uh, brush and this little dustpan. And, and in my mind, I kind of remembered it being white, but it was sort of more clear. But the funny thing was, you know, I actually been looking for that thing for a couple of weeks. <laughs> and I thought I put it in this uh, one room. So I kept going back in there, you know, past few weeks. Couldn't find it. So I kind of give up. And then I really needed it. So I think it was just the other day, maybe Monday, that I went to really look for it. And, well, I went in that room. I thought I left it. I went to some downstairs. I went into the garage. And, and I made my rounds a couple times. I think, where did that go, you know? And I kept looking, looking, and then I went back into this this one room where I thought I really left it, and then, lo and behold, there it was. But, you know, I, I think in my mind I pictured it like all white. It was kind of more like a clearish white, you know, and I don't know why, but it was right there in front of my eyes, and I just kept missing it and missing it. Have you ever done that, you know, kind of those things of, where is that, where is that? Oh, it's right there. Oh, hey, it's right in front of me, and... Oh, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm getting older and I'm, ha- I'm having more of those moments, maybe. Well, tonight, as we return to our study in the book of Luke, Jesus actually points out to Israel how they missed the one who is standing right in front of them, and that's Jesus. So I've titled our message, Right in Front of Your Eyes. Right in front of your eyes. Now, we're going to be uh, picking up where he left in Luke chapter 11 from last time, from verse 29. And we're going to go all the way to verse 36 tonight. And three things we're going to see. Number one is the greater one. Number two, the gleaming light. And number three, the good eye. So those are our three sections we're going to be seeing. But let's begin with number one in our outline, the greater one. The greater one. Now we're going to be covering verse 29 through 32 in this section. But first of all, let's begin with verse 29. It says here, When the crowds were increasing, he began to say, This generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. Now we'll stop right there. We begin here where it says when, when the crowds, or I think a better translation would be as the crowds were gathering or as it was growing. Now, as the crowds are coming in more and more, Jesus calls this generation that he is speaking to right now. And that is these Jews living in the time when Jesus was right there with them. When the Messiah was standing right in front of them. And he calls them. Now this generation, he he says in verse 29, you guys, you're an evil generation. And that's pretty crazy. They're evil because of their stubborn unbelief. In other words, when when it came to Jesus being right there, it seems more and more like, hey, can't you see who I am? And they're stuck in their stubborn unbelief. And they're missing this opportunity. So I want you to put that into your minds minds tonight. This opportunity with Jesus standing right there in front of them. And he's like, you know, this generation, you guys, the generation 
where Jesus came in person, in the flesh, he calls them evil because they're just sitting on the fence about him. So Jesus says, you guys evil, you're in unbelief because why? Because this generation, this crowd of people, it seeks, verse 29, for a sign. They, they're looking for a specific miracle for Jesus to do so that, well, if you do this, then, yeah, I'm, we'll, we'll, we'll believe in you, that kind of thing. Now, remember how back in verse 15, someone had accused Jesus of this chapter, accused Jesus of casting out a demon from the, from, of a man from Satan's power, and we covered that last time, right? Jesus addressed then, went on to address their spiritual misconceptions, right? There are superstitions and everything like that. And then others, in verse 16, if you remember back then, they requested a sign, a miracle, to test him, to prove that Jesus is really who who he claimed to be. So what we saw last week, was answering this question like, oh, or, or this accusation, oh, you do it, you know, you cast out demons because of the power of, of the devil. And so he, he went over that in these superstitious beliefs and everything like this. But now as we come into this next section, Jesus now addresses that request of show us a sign, right? Show us a sign and then, yeah, well, I think we'll believe you then. Now, because of, what they're asking. Because they're an evil generation, verse 29, Jesus says, but no sign will be given to it except for the sign of Jonah. So Jesus is saying, look, I'm not going to give you this sign, this miracle, like how you want it to be. Remember I mentioned last time that in Jewish superstition, demons can only do earthly miracles, but God can, do, God can only do the miracles in the sky or the universe. I, mean, I talked about that, right? Because they're saying, oh, you, Jesus, see, you, you, you know, you're doing all this by the power of Satan. Do, give us a sign, like their superstition. You know, show us, according to our superstition, like, like move the sun or move the clouds with your hand. Make, make it rain or stop the rain or make it stop the sun and all of that. And then we will believe that you're with God and not in league with Satan. So that was the gist. That was why they were testing Jesus, saying, hey, prove, you know, give us a sign. So Jesus now, in verse 29, say, you know what? I'm not going to cater to your unbelief here. Because really, it's not about the miracles. And he's going to unfold this as we go in our passage. It's all about the truth that the miracles actually point to. Right? And the, the miracles, the signs, the things that Jesus did, it wasn't like, oh, he, he's trying to you know, do some magic show or something like that. No, they were all really to support who he is and the truth to the message that he was giving. The reality was these Jews were saying, you know, um, and I think it was mostly promoted from the Pharisees, they weren't really asking help for them to believe, not necessarily, but more than anything, like in verse 16 says, they're testing. Yeah, that, it, it, Think about it this way. They're like, yeah, well, well do a sign. You know, uh, see, I, I don't think you could really do it. It was really to prove their doubt. I think they really wanted Jesus to fail because they didn't really look at him in that way. And, of course, uh, there's probably those Jews in the crowd who 
really came for the quote-unquote show. Yeah, that it, it was entertainment for them to come and experience. Right? Oh, let's watch Jesus miracle. Let's watch Jesus do this. Wow, this is awesome. You know, without any intention of really following Jesus, no intention of giving their life and heart to Him, or really believing that He is the Messiah. So, so you got these maybe Pharisees and. Guys listening to the Pharisees and this other part of the crowd, they're, they're, they're kind of like, oh yeah, entertain us, you know, do a show for us, that kind of thing. So Jesus is saying, I'm not going to give you a sign. I'm not going to cater to any of these requests because you guys aren't interested in the truth. You're only interested in your own satisfaction. It seems to me, when I look at it like this, they were making themselves to be like the master and Jesus is to be the servant to serve them. Do what we're telling you, that type of thing. But, the, but Jesus is the Lord. And who am I, if I say those things, to demand something from him? And so Jesus is like, no, I'm, I'm not going to give you a sign. So, since Jesus is saying, it, 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 the focus isn't like miracles, and he's going to unfold this about the truth. So since it's really this, the only sign Jesus will give is, and this is the first thing I want you to see, the sign of seeing Jesus, Jonah alive. The sign of seeing Jonah alive. Now, Jesus is referring to the story of Jonah. We know about that. Remember how he was swallowed by a big fish, and he was spit up. Uh, back on the land, and basically the idea is he was brought back from death. So the people of Jonah, I mean the people of Nineveh, when they saw Jonah, it was like he came back alive. He was he, he was gone in a fish. Who could live, you know, being eaten by some big fish, uh, and then now he's living? It's like he he came back alive. And so Jesus is saying that would be what you're gonna see. Is like Jesus who will die, but he will be resurrected. Jonah was in the belly of the fish. Jesus was buried in the tomb. Jonah seemingly came back to life. Jesus will be raised from the dead. That's the sign he's telling them. You want a sign? You're going to see it. But it's only the sign of Jonah, of what happened with him, as a symbol of what's going to happen to him. Take note here tonight, in Matthew 12, in a parallel passage, Jesus adds to this and says, um, As Jonah was three days and three nights in the, in the belly of the fish, so he will be buried. And, and so some take that and say, well, you know, that means that he... The, he actually died on a cross on a Thursday, not on a Friday. But understand, in the Jewish way of thinking, part of the day is also like the full day. is reckoned the full day. And so that's why a Friday crucifixion, him rising the third day on Sunday, is considered that three-day period. All right, so anyway, so you want a sign? Jesus says, the ultimate sign will be given to you. And you know what? That is the resurrection of Jesus. That's going to be the real sign. You know, man was wondering about uh, uh, this, about Jesus, and he asked his uh, Hindu priest, could you say, I am the resurrection and the life? Yes, replied the Hindu priest. I could say that. And the man replied, but could you make anyone believe it? That's the thing. So, since Jesus is bringing him to 
focus in more on who he is and the truth of his message. The only sign Jesus will give is the sign of seeing Jonah alive. But then he gives this example of one who did believe. And so we, number two, this is the second thing you see, the example of the queen believing. The example of the queen believing. Look at verse 31. The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a something greater than Solomon is here. So the queen of the south is the queen of Sheba in 1 Kings 10. This is who Jesus is referring to. And she made this effort, right, to travel from the ends of the earth, Jesus says. She came, uh, she took this 1,200-mile journey from Saudi Arabia, basically from that, that place, to what? To hear the wisdom of King Sol- Solomon. God, you remember, gifted him with great wisdom. He wrote Proverbs, Ecclesiastics. Well, the queen, and notice she's a Gentile, even recognized God's wisdom in Solomon. So, Jesus saying, this queen will be the voice of judgment against this Jews of this evil generation. Because a greater one, the greater one is here. The greater one, more than greater than Solomon, is here who is giving wisdom, who is preaching the truth and teaching the truth, who, who really is the source of that truth. It's Jesus standing right there in front of their eyes. So Jesus saying, you know, the Queen of Sheba, she'll condemn you guys because she went all this way for Solomon, yet I'm here and you're not believing she went all this far and, and recognized God was in Solomon and believed. Yet you guys aren't hearing me and the truth. That's what Jesus is saying. Can you imagine? I was thinking about this um, the other day um, as we were watching the children's show. And, you know, it just makes me think about Jesus and his life. And right here, can you imagine like, like they showed in, in one of the episodes uh, Jesus hugging you know, one of the disciples, I think. And, and I was thinking, I told, my, I told Kristen, look, God is giving a hug. I wonder what that felt like, you know. Or we see here, Jesus is speaking, he's teaching. Can you imagine God speaking? I mean, this, this is Jesus, right? Literally speaking. It's not just a man or like me just doing a message, but it's a God speaking, hearing his voice, yeah? Uh, feeling what's coming out of him, you know, just just being in that 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 room or that place when God is speaking. I mean, there's times when I feel the Lord speaking to me, or I feel His presence in worship, and it's like, oh, you know. And sometimes it's chicken skin kind of. But can you imagine being there with Jesus? The Queen believed without any signs. Think about that. But just hearing the wisdom and truth of God from Solomon. So no wonder Jesus said, you know what? She'll condemn you guys because even one greater is here. The queen responded like this in 1 Kings 10.9. It says, Blessed be the Lord your God who has delighted in you and set you on the throne of Israel because the Lord loved Israel forever. He has made you king that you may execute justice and righteousness. In other words, here's this Gentile queen. Come to acknowledge the Lord your God. Come to acknowledge God had put Solomon on the throne. To hear that wisdom, she believed in God. 
So, Jesus, first of all, we see, says the only sign you can get is the sign of seeing Jonah alive, which is talking about his resurrection. Then he brings out this example of the queen believing. And now the third thing I want you to see is the testimony of the Ninevites repenting. And that's what we see in verse 32. The men of Nineveh, take a look at verse 32. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. So when Jonah showed up, right, after that incident with the big fish, and he went out, preached to the, the city of Nineveh, they repented. You know, always in my mind, I always thought about, I wonder what he looked like, you know, after being in the big fish and the juices and acid maybe bleached him white. Maybe his hair was all weird and gone or something. Who knows? But he probably was like, whoa, you know, the people in Nineveh. But either way, he came, preached the message, and the whole city repented. Now, this was amazing because the, the this message went to this this city. The Ninevites are cruel people. They're vicious. Um, they were known for how vicious and, and just crazy they were. Yet, they repented at the preaching of Jonah, Jesus says here. So, Jesus saying the people of Nineveh will testify against this these Jews, this generation in judgment. They'll condemn him. Why? Because... Jesus, the greater one, is there preaching. Jonah came and preached the truth. Here's Jesus. Here's God in the flesh preaching. And yet, these Jews aren't repenting. Take note. Jesus shared these examples of Gentiles responding. The Queen of Sheba, the Ninevites. They were responding to this opportunity that was given them. And look. God supposed, uh, supposedly God's people, the Jews, didn't. So Nineveh repented without any signs, but responded to the truth preached. Warren Wiersbe wrote this. He used three illustrations to show the seriousness of spiritual opportunities. And, and, and I put that in your mind, you guys, because, because this is what Jesus really putting out there. Look. There's an opportunity here, you guys, to hear the truth, to repent, to learn and grow. Here, here's Jesus here, right? Here's God in the flesh. I mean, who better than to bring the truth? Yeah. And, and these Jews, all they're thinking about, well, I don't know. Give me a miracle. Show me a sign. And yeah, maybe. When this is the greatest opportunity in the world to hear the truth, to learn the truth, and to repent. And to really come to God. I like that. How Wearsby said it's, it's this opportunity. And the Jews are given this opportunity, but they're not receiving it. They're not utilizing it. They're not, they're not believing having Jesus right then and there. I mean, out of all the times, I would love to go back in time and it would be this time, you know. Be part of back in the crowd, kind of, you know, uh, dress like they did and get in the time machine and go there and kind of sneak in and hear Jesus speaking. Yeah. What an opportunity that must have been. That's what Jesus is really putting forth here. 
the Queen of Sheba, Jonah, even the Ninevites, oh, they're, they're going to condemn you. Like, what? You guys didn't listen? What? A greater one than Solomon is here. Greater one than Jonah. What? You guys didn't listen? You know what I think about? Every Wednesday night is an opportunity for us. Every Sunday morning, it's an opportunity for us to hear from God, to get into the, His Word. Every prayer meeting, to go before the Lord. Every, every, every time of fellowship and meeting when we get together in our different groups, you know, that's an opportunity for us to hear from God, to respond to God, to meet with Jesus, to be with Him. But how many times we don't take advantage of that opportunity? You know, most of the time, people will come only if it suits, like, well, uh, if it kind of works out for me and my schedule, yeah. Uh, if, it's, if it's something, yeah, maybe I'm... I'm, I'm I, I might be there, yeah. Oh, if there's entertainment, oh, yeah, I'm there, yeah. yeah. Oh, got a concert? Oh, yeah, Christian got a concert? Oh, oh, yeah, I'll be there. You know, but we've turned into like, 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 like the world really is. You know, if it suits our pleasure, oh, I'll be there. If not, yeah. But isn't that kind of commitment to God based on you? On, on what you want, your feelings, rather than our commitment is based on our lives given over to Jesus, our loyalty to Jesus. That if He calls us to come to something, to Bible study or prayer meeting, whatever that is, that we're going to be there because it's God calling me and I want to be there. Not, well, what are you going to do? Well, nah, I don't want to do that, you know. But if it's something God is moving in, wouldn't we all want to be there? This is like these guys. Ah, give us a sign. We'll believe in you. Ah, if it suits the sign I'm looking for, oh, then we'll believe in you. Isn't that crazy? Because they're only looking for one thing. I mean, think about all the miracles that happened, the healings, everything. No, it has to be this one, and then, okay, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll really believe you're from God. That's suiting yourself only. So here was the Son of God, the Messiah, right in front of your eyes, Jesus is trying to say. A greater one, the greater one than Solomon or Jonah is here. Let's go to our second heading, heading the gleaming light, the gleaming light. Now, Jesus is building up here and, and it's going to build up to the good eye and we'll see that in a moment. But just, just get this in your mind right now, how Jesus is like, hey, a greater one is here. You know, come on, here's the opportunity. Come on, the, your, your unbelief is really evil, you know, in what you're doing, right? So keep that in mind. Well, now we come to the gleaming light, and this is verse 33. It says here, No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but on a stand, so that those who enter may see the light. So Jesus gives this picture now of lighting a lamp, right? And you don't, you're not going to put it down in a basement, you know, and like hide it down there. You're, you're not going to put it under a basket and hide it. What do you do? You put it out on a stand. That's what it's used for. So everyone can see the light, so it can light the whole room. So that's a, the basic picture we have here. 
So what is Jesus talking about here? Back in Luke chapter 8, 16, Jesus said a similar thing, but it was all about our Christian life, how, how, how we should be the light. We don't, we don't put it under a basket. We're, we're supposed to be a light, go out with the truth and gospel of Jesus and, and light a darkened world. But what is he talking about here? Well, the lamp and its light symbolizes the truth of the word of God. That's what he's talking about. The teaching and preaching of Jesus. God's word, he's saying. God's truth is more like a gleaming light. This bright, shining, gleaming light going out. You see, in context here, he's saying, look, the Queen of Sheba went to find this wisdom, right? The truth about God. Oh, and she believed, hey, a greater one is here, right? Uh, the, the Ninevites heard the preaching of Jonah, the, the, the truth about God and to repent. They repented. Well, Jesus is saying, the greater one is here. So when he comes in with this picture, this analogy of a lamp and light, he's talking about, in context, about the light of God's truth in his word. And so what is he saying? He's saying God gives his word to be heard. He just doesn't give it out like only for a certain few. No, it's out there for people to hear. So this is what I want you to see here. God's word is meant to be known and not to be hidden. God's word is meant to be known and not to be hidden. That, that's what Jesus is saying. What he's saying, what he's preaching, what he's bringing out is that light. He, he, he's not there just to hide it under a lamp or put it down in a place where no one can see it or understand. No, it's brought out, put upon a stand so everyone can see the light. So it lights the whole, whole room. He's there for God's truth. Remember I said earlier, the miracles were only to point to the truth. The miracles were only to validate that this is God's truth and God is here to bring you the truth, the word of God. So God's word is meant to be known and not to be hidden. And this is what is important to Jesus. This is what is important to God, is that His Word be known. Did you know that the most translated book in the whole world is, guess, the Bible. The Bible. The Old Testament has been translated into 670 languages. The New Testament has been translated into 2,191 languages. At least one book of the Bible is now available in 3,312 languages. No other book can match that. And you know why that is? Because God sovereignly wants His Word to be known. To all peoples on this planet, to every language. And so he put in the heart of missionaries and translators to get the Bible from Greek and Hebrew into the language of the different countries and, and people and all around the world so they would know God's word. And that's God, that's his plan. God's word is meant to be known and not to be hidden. So that's what Jesus is saying here. That's that's the, the real center of all of this. It's not so much all the healings. Yeah, he wants to help people, heal people. Yeah, he wants to cast out demons and free people from the bondage of that demon. Yeah, he wants, wants to uh, 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 
raise people from the dead that he's done here and what we've been reading. Yeah, he wants to help people like that. But the core of it all is to get the word out, to get the truth of God out, the salvation plan of God out, to show that God loves people. That's what Jesus is putting forth here. So God's word is meant to be known, not to be hidden. You know, there's a famous document from the 15th century called the Voynich Manuscript. It's a 240-page book written, they say, in this unknown alphabet. In 1912, this antique book, book dealer, uh, Voynich, tried to get it translated, but he couldn't get it translated. And for years and years since then, people have been trying to decode it, they say, trying to figure out what is this book, what, what, what is it saying. And right now it sits at Yale University, and to this day, no one can translate it. No one knows what it means. No one knows what it says. And you know, I don't really care. <laughs> I don't know why it's, it's so, so important there, right? And everyone's trying to put their brain into it. Yeah? You know what really matters is right here. Our Bibles. Aren't you glad that the Bible is not like that? That it is understandable? That we can come on a Wednesday night, Sunday morning, we can study the book and learn what it says in here and hear from God? Isn't it great? You know, they say that it, the Bible is simple enough a child can read it, deep enough that scholars can study it. It's meant to be read. It's meant to be studied. It's meant to be memorized and learned. God's truth is right here for us. God's truth is here because he wants us to know it and have it and let it be a part of our lives. So, Jesus is saying, let's take every opportunity to get into it. You want to know about God? It's right there in front of your eyes. You want to know about who Jesus is? It's right here in front of our eyes. You want to know about, about what, what God requires of you? It's right here in front of our eyes. What salvation means? It's right here. Who we are now that we're a Christian, we're believers? It's right here. What, 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 what happens when, when trials come? It's right here. What does it mean? What does God do? How does he help us? What is heaven like? It's right here. What is our marriage supposed to be like? What is, how is, what is parents supposed to do? It's inside here. Right here is God's truth. Right in front of your eyes. That's what Jesus is telling these people. So, we've seen the greater one, the gleaming light. And now lastly, and I think this is the most important part, the good eye. The good eye. And we'll finish our section here for tonight, verse 34 through 36. But first of all, look at verse 34. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. Now, Jesus starts switching a little bit here. He was talking about the truth of God being a light, being a lamp, putting it on the stand. But now he switches here, and he talks about how our eye is a lamp to your body. It lights our body. Now, Jesus is bringing all of this together now, what we've been looking at. He's not going to give a sign because you guys only want a certain sign. He's not going to be catering to that. It's, I'm not going to do what, like what you want to be given. Jesus has come to give the truth, and God meant the word to be known. So think about this. Remember, he called this crowd, these, this generation of Jews, 
evil. Why? Because they're not believing, right? They're not receiving from Jesus. And, and so why is that? What's going on with them? Why are they sitting there going, oh, you know, after all the miracles, after everything going on and his preaching, they're like, uh, give us a sign like we want, you know. And they're not receiving this. Why is that? Why do they still want a sign? You know what he's saying? Because their eye is bad. Jesus puts this out. Your eye is the lamp of your body. In other words, what comes into your eye is going to go right into your whole body, your whole soul. It, it shines into you. So listen to the translation of the New American Standard Version. It says, it translated this, this way. When your eye is clear, your whole body also is full of light. But when it is bad, your body also is full of darkness. So do you understand what he's saying? He's saying when you, when you see things clearly, right? When you can see God's truth clearly, you will see Jesus for who he is. You will see that he's God's son, that this is God's truth, and then you'll believe like the Queen of Sheba. You will repent like the Ninevites. When your eye, which is clearly seeing these things, you'll see it. But when you're seeing is bad, when it's cloudy, when you don't really see things in the right way, you don't see God's truth in front of you, so you don't believe. So you're asking for a sign. You're asking for more. You're, you're, you're asking for certain criteria. And then, oh, yeah, then, okay, maybe we'll believe in you, Jesus. Maybe we'll believe in you, Lord, as Lord. Now, I, I wear these glasses. They're reading glasses, actually, uh, to see the notes on my iPad. Sometimes they get dirty. <laughs> Sometimes there's fingerprints on them. So, you know, I try and take them off and clean them, right? You know, right? Right? You guys know, right? Because if your, your lenses are dirty, what's going to happen? Everybody looks dirty, yeah? Oh, you, you better. Uh, Dean, why don't you wash your clothes? Oh, it's, it's my glasses. No. But, right? You cannot see things clearly. When the same way your eye can make everything look good or evil. And that's why Jesus says, therefore, look in verse 35, be careful lest the light in you be darkness. Verse 36, if then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright as when a lamp with its rays gives you light. So therefore, make sure your eye is clear. That's what he's saying. Be careful lest how you see things or what you think, you know, is, is not light or not light. It, it, you know, you, you get all mi mixed up. You think, well, this is light. This is what the truth is. But it's really darkness. So how you see things can be tainted. Uh, how you see things can taint you. What's important, Jesus is saying, is keep your vision clear. And if you do, then you'll find that light coming into you, right? If you have a clear eye, you see Jesus for who he is, then, then that will come into you. That, that all, the light of God's truth will come into you, not the darkness. Because the truth of God will flood your heart and your life. So you understand what he's putting forth here? He's like, when you look at things, look with a clear mind. Look with a clear eye. You look and see Jesus for who he is. 
You gotta keep the good eye. Remember, let's let's go back a little bit. Last week, uh, uh, the section above here. Remember how in this first part of the chapter, they were criticizing Jesus. Some were criticizing Jesus, saying, "You cast demons out by the power of Satan, right?" A huge miracle was done in front of their eyes. This man was freed of a demon, right? Made him mute. He couldn't speak, right? And, and, and probably, you know, other people are like, wow, who could do this but God, all of that. But these guys saying, oh, you're doing this by the power of Satan, right? Why is that? Because their eye was bad. Once they got it in their head that, oh, maybe, maybe this isn't really the Messiah. Maybe he's coming around masquerading. He's really doing this by the power of the devil. It clouded their eyes, so everything that Jesus did was making them see bad. Whereas the other people who really saw what happened and believers, like, whoa, praise be to God. It was filling them with what? The light of God's truth that this is Jesus, the Messiah there. You know, perhaps it was the Pharisees who, who poisoned the minds. I mentioned that, right? Maybe they had gone around and were like, nah, Jesus is doing this by, by the power of Satan. Don't believe him. They're, you know, drop something in their mind. They're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. If the Pharisees, the religious leaders saying that, hmm, I don't know about that, Jesus. What does that do? It clouds your eye. It may, makes you start seeing things, yeah? Looking at Jesus in a tainted way. And that's why despite all the healings, the casting out of the demons, raising the dead, calming the storm, multiplying the bread, all the preaching and teaching that the Son of God did, did not change their view of Jesus. And they go, we want to sign. Because their eye was bad. But those who kept their eye clear could clearly see this is the Messiah. So, here's our last point. Be careful to keep the lens of your eye clear and not be tainted with preconceived ideas. That, that's, that's really what it is. These Jews have come with these, these preconceived ideas of what the Messiah should do, or what a miracle really is, rather than just being open to whatever God has. And, and so they've clouded. They made their eye bad. They, it, they couldn't see Jesus. That's why they're in such unbelief. And so the warning here from Jesus is basically, be careful. Keep the lens of your eye clear. Don't be tainted with some preconceived ideas, you know. Don't, don't be tainted. Don't be poisoned in that way. You, you know, it's like um, when um, I, these scenarios, you know, or, or like when someone tells you about someone and, Maybe I haven't really met them yet or anything, and and uh, so and so, you know, you know, they they really don't like you. <laughs> they they're really you know down on you and jealous of you, and so when you finally meet them and they say hi, nice to meet you, you're in, in your mind, you're like right. What do you mean by that? Yeah, you're just saying that. Yeah, and they say, oh, how are you doing today? And you, in the back of your mind, because of it's been tainted, you're going, you really don't care. You're just looking for a way to gossip about me, right? Oh, I, I have something for you. Here, here's a gift. And you think, you're just trying to manipulate me into doing something for you. And in your mind, I don't like you. You know, you're, you're, you know it's funny because you really don't know them. But, but something gets dropped in your mind and all of a sudden, it's, that person's tainted, right? 
Everything is being filtered through what was told you. And so your eye is bad. That's exactly these Jews. Jesus is only, yeah, he's, he can't be that. Yeah. So Jesus is trying to get them to clean their eyes, the lens of their eye, and see him for who he is. A greater one is here. I'm, I'm, I'm here to bring God's truth. Stop looking for just miracles. Look for God's truth here. Listen, the devil wants to deceive you and cloud your eye. He does. He wants you to focus on, well, I, I don't know. Always, always doubting, always being like, oh, I'm not sure, you know, that kind of thing. Always dropping, you know, oh, I don't know this situation. And then you bring in all maybe your experiences or, or it, it could be even like, like maybe you don't, you have some insecurities. And, and so you're always condemning yourself and something happens, you're like, oh, God doesn't like me. Yeah. And you bring this feeling into when that's not what the Bible says. Yeah. So everything you see is clouded in that way. And you see it in a bad way. Well, well, well if, 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 if God really loved me, he would do this. Yeah. And so we start putting in, oh, I, I'm, God, give me a sign and I know you love me. No, the truth is he does. And there's other reasons for those troubles and trials. But see, the devil likes to come in and drop things in there. The devil likes to distract you and pull you away and, and say, how about you? How about you? How about your feelings? Oh, the pastor, he don't like you because he's he, he not sensitive to your feelings, right? I mean, think about, right, uh, like with Eve, Genesis 3, right? Sa- Satan came to Eve and said, did God really say that? Is that what he really meant? Yeah. Cannot eat of the tree in the midst of the garden. Did he really say that? Ah, oh, no, no, no. Right? And he, and he roped her in into, he, he, he doesn't want you to know, you know. He, 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 he's just keeping this from you. Right? Well, today he's still using that tactic. He's still using that same tactic to divide the church, to divide your family, divide your marriage, divide ultimately your relationship with Jesus Christ to get you to see Jesus in the wrong way to get you to see Jesus differently from what is in the word to frustrate you discourage you and have you walk away from Jesus in your relationship so watch out watch out but let me tell you as you see the truth of God's word clearly as we like we're learning tonight, we're really learning, wow, this this is what was meant in here. This is what, what, what Jesus meant with this lamp and everything like that. When you start to see God's word in a clear way, with a clear eye, you know what? That truth comes into you and it's like, wow. It finds a place in your soul, a foundation to where with that truth, you know what? You can have faith in God. You trust His sovereign plan. You can rely upon Him even more. And, and, and you're stronger in all of this. And that's the light that comes into you. That's the lamp, the rays that, that, that go into to your whole soul. And, and no part is dark, but holy 
bright. You know, it's funny. What you, 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 um, maybe what's in your mind, you start to see, like, um, for example, a while back, Chris and I were looking to buy this, um, I think it was a 2012 Forerunner, and it was a blue one, and we were, we were you know, really praying about uh, buying this Forerunner. <laughs> the funny thing is, you know, I thought, wow, that's a unique color, you know, blue, and after we're thinking of buying one, that's all I saw on the road. Yeah, well, there's a blue one. Oh, there's another blue one. And still to today, I'll see, oh, look. At, and, and, and I never noticed it before, right? But it's a, always been there. But when I got it into my mind, it was like, oh, a blue one. There's a blue one. <laughs> you know how that is? <laughs> like you're buying a car and you're, well, there's a lot of those on the road, you know, kind of thing. Well, well think about this. When you see God clearly, when you have God in you, you can see God in all things. It works both ways. Yeah, If your eye is cloudy, oh, everything's bad. This is bad. She's bad. He's bad. You're right. But when you have God, you will see God in all, in his, in all things, in his creation. Yeah, I mean, I just love driving down the mountain. You, you look at this, the, this landscape scene and go, Praise God for, for what you created, our beautiful island, right? You'll see God in your situation, good or bad. You'll see his hand in it. You'll see God in your blessings. You'll see God in your provision. You'll see God in every aspect of your life, just like seeing blue forerunners all around. When your eye is clear, so it's important to keep your eyes clear. And in that way, we'll have faith. That way we'll have stronger faith. That way we'll grow spiritually stronger. So in a way, let's grow up. Let's grow up here. Yeah. Uh, I want to close with this. Turn over to the right to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. Um, in the end, end of the chapter in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11 through 13. Paul's writing here and he says, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up, my, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. So Paul gives an analogy. You know, when he was a kid, he thought like a kid. He looked at everything as a kid. You know, he reasoned like a child and all of this. But when I became a man, he gave up those childish ways. And so he's kind of bringing the idea that one day we will be in heaven, our eyes will be open. Right now we see dimly, you know, in this life and, 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 and in the flesh. But one day, eternal, we're going to see everything. Everything will be fully known, you know. But what we need to really focus in is faith, hope, love, and the greatest is, is love here. But in this part of, of seeing things dimly or or or, or being seeing things like a, a child does, or reasoning like a child, 
Let's grow up. Let's have the good eye now. Yeah? Let's clean our lenses and stop making it about me, right? Like, like, a, like a little child or a toddler. It's about me. It's about me, what I want, what I want to do. Let's put those things aside. Let's grow up. Let's do away with the childish things. Let's not look dimly anymore. Let's clean the lenses of our eyes and let the light of the truth of the Word of God come shining down in our soul and see that God is here right now to help you. God is here right now to guide you and give you the truth in His Word. God is here to open our eyes to what we're learning today. To open our eyes to to our own sin and pride and selfishness. To open our eyes that, oh, He loves you. And He has a great plan for you. So let the light in. Can you see it? Can you see Jesus? He's right here. Right in front of your eyes. Let's pray. God, sometimes we miss the obvious, Lord, and the obvious is you're right here. Lord, we know you're omnipresent. You're everywhere. But it means more than that. It means that you are here for us. That you are here always to help us, to be there for us to love on us, to take care of us, to provide for us, to strengthen us, to protect us, to shield us, to lift us up when we're down. Lord, it means that wherever we go, whatever situation we're in, Lord, however we feel, you're here, right in front of our eyes. God, thank you for the truth we find in your word because it tells us that. Thank you that we can rely upon the word and and what you've said, God. Thank you for what you were speaking here to the Jews of that generation, Lord, that have seen you with their physical eyes. And though we haven't, Lord, we know you're here. God, help us, Lord, to understand that. And as we do, help us to see you in everything, God. No matter the situation, no matter how good, no matter how bad, no matter the need, but you're sovereign and you're here. Oh, Lord, help us not to hold back anymore. Help us not to, to have cloudy eyes, but to, to have clear eyes and have your light come in, Lord. Oh, how much we need you right now. And I pray for anyone here tonight and anyone connected online, Lord. I pray that you would clear the cloudiness of our eyes, that you wipe away the dirt on our lenses, that you would renew our mind and heart and clear away any anything that tainted us or poisoned us, Lord. Take away those things that we may have, the true holy light, shine through our eyes and illuminate our whole soul and body. God, 
We just want to live for you and know you. So help us today, right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.